guys, welcome to our second episode of our podcast, Explicitly Spoiled. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Monica, hi. And today we thought we'd talk a bit about the different yoga styles out there. If you guys remember from our first episode, which if you haven't watched already, go and watch it. Uh, but if you remember from that one, we alluded that there are different styles out there and probably there's a style for everyone, given the many uh, possibilities. So we thought in this episode, we would talk a bit about some of those styles. So it's not going to be an exhaustive list by any means. We picked five styles, uh, which we think are, let's say, more popular and more interesting mm -hmm. for us. So disclaimer, very obvious, but these are our own opinions based on personal experience, but then also maybe secondhand advice, research, what we know so far. So in our own biases, probably with this as well. So just you've been warned. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. mean that the styles, yeah, we've, we've picked are, you know, the best for everyone, but they're very different. No. So we thought we would show you like what you can kind of experience with yoga. And then I think if you guys want us to delve deeper into any of these styles or some others that we're not going to talk about today, but you're interested in, let us know. And yeah, we can, we can do that in a future episode. Definitely. Yeah. And at the end of the, of the episode, we want to go into some more fun styles kind of as a bonus. So stick around to learn how you can do yoga on electronic music while drinking wine and getting naked. So yeah, <laughs> All of them at the same time. <laughs> and how we thought we'd approach this is go through every style um, in kind of high level terms, talk about what's unique about that specific style, what are some purported benefits, who we recommend it to, and sort of a rating from our side in terms of how beginner friendly we think it is, how prone maybe to different injuries or risks of, of different strains and things like that. Um, and kind of leave it at that level. So we're really targeting, as we said in our first episode, um, the beginner level, the people that maybe haven't even tried and they're interested in knowing about different styles of yoga and giving it a try. So we're not gonna go into a lot of details on any of these. Right, so with that all out of the way, um, we're gonna get into the first style we've picked for today, which is Bikram yoga. So Bikram yoga is a style of hot yoga. And hot yoga, as per the name, means doing yoga in a very warm environment. So with Bikram, the practice is that the room in which you're gonna practice yoga is heated to 41 degrees Celsius. That's 106 Fahrenheit. So it's pretty hot. Mm. And you have the classic practice means a fixed sequence of 26 poses that you go through twice in 90 minutes of the class. So that's how long the class takes. So it is quite structured 
and rigid from that perspective. You always do the same 26 poses. And as, we th as I said, in, you know, repeated twice in 90 minutes. And the reason for that is to be able to improve in those poses and see how you progress, right? So you keep doing the same thing and see how you can improve in that. And another common trait of the practice is that usually the studios would have floor to ceiling mirrors so you can check your postures and see how you improve every class. Oh, Bikram. Um, sorry? <laughs> I was just saying, oh, Bikram, 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 with the yeah, mirrors and um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's very specific. I should also mention that the reason uh, the room is heated to, to 41 degrees is to recreate the Indian climate. And the name of the practice, Bikram, comes from its creator, so to speak, uh, who is Bikram Chowdhury. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in more things about Bikram and the practice, I think there's like a, a Netflix documentary, right, Monica? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've seen it. Uh, I think it's still on. Uh, yeah, it's it's quite spectacular, and it it, it opens a little window into what Bikram Yoga ended up meaning. But yeah, it's it's a Netflix documentary about it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, also to add to this, one other unique thing maybe to Bikram is that the teacher doesn't demonstrate the poses. So you'll see as we go through other styles that that's more the norm, I'd say, in yoga. But in this case, the teacher doesn't go uh, through the flow with you. They just talk you through them. It, it's the same, uh, I think, with Ashtanga yoga. It's most teachers' approach to teaching it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with that... Kind of going into some benefits here. So there's actually been done a systematic review on the benefits of Bikram Yoga. So in 2015, and they found that it improves lower body strength, range of joint motion in both upper and lower body and balance. And there's also been unsystematic trials. So that's without randomized controls. And those have found possible improvements in glucose tolerance, in bone density, uh, and just overall mindfulness and how you perceive stress. So there's quite a few um, benefits out there for, for Bikram practitioners. And there's also the added, let's say, benefit of the heated yoga, which has been shown in very small studies that it boosts the adult's heart health. Mm -hmm. But there can also be some, let's say, risks there in terms of injuries, right? Because of the, the way the, the heated sort of environment works. And maybe, Monica, you can talk a bit more about that. Yeah, I just wanted to add that I used to practice uh, quite a serious amount of hot yoga. And I also taught, I used to teach hot yoga. It wasn't Bikram, but it was a specific uh, trademarked type of uh, franchise type of hot yoga. And from my personal experience and from my students' experience, I have found out that um, it's very exciting, right? It's a very exciting ex experience in the sense that you discover you can do so much more. 
with your body than you normally would in a regular type of environment, one that's a bit colder or just regular temperature, right? So you can basically bend your body and twist it into cooler uh, shapes, right? If you see yoga as doing shapes with your body. Uh, and for the exact same reason, it is also quite risky because um, you can easily surpass the limits, the boundaries of your body uh, unknowingly, and that's risk an accident. So to practice it risk-free uh, or as risk-free as possible, we must really know our bodies well in order to understand how much deeper we can push them that's my take on hot yoga yeah exactly so it's basically with that if we go into our rating of this style in terms of beginner level friendliness we gave it a two out of five stars we don't think it's that beginner friendly First off, as we said, there's 90 minutes of a practice. It's quite challenging. Then if you add the heated sort of environment on top of that, it, be it can become even more challenging. If you're a beginner, you probably won't realize necessarily when you go over your range of motion, let's say, because your body's warm, you're in that environment. So you don't realize you're going to injure yourself necessarily until the practice is over and you step out of that hot environment, which is a risk um, there. And also, as we've alluded to earlier, it has, you know, heart health benefits. Um, but that's in the case you don't have any heart, you know, heart issues or anything like that. If you have any cardiovascular issues, it's probably best that you, you know, check with your doctor before trying anything like this. Because even if, you know, even for, for regular people, let's say, without any issues, doing exercise for 90 minutes in a very warm environment can, you know, you can get a lot of maybe uh, uncomfortable um, symptoms there, right? Or you could maybe even get a heat stroke, who knows? So, yeah, I would say be cautious about it. And that's why, again, it goes back to it's probably not that beginner friendly. And um, yeah, just have those in mind if you if you want to try it and you've never done yoga, maybe you're not even pretty active, let's say, day to day. And because of that, we feel like the, the risk here is quite high, again, because of, of, of all of the things we mentioned. So we gave that four out of five. So yeah, just just be cautious again if you if you want to try it in terms of just personality wise or just the people we would recommend it to still i think you know if you're someone that likes structure right and likes routine then i think this this could be something you would enjoy right because again it's very rigid it's very structured you know what you are getting into every time however if you're on the polar opposite of that it's probably not something you would enjoy by any means because yeah it can get you know pretty boring if, if routine and structure aren't something you you find entertaining yeah exactly trying to say that it's it could be really good for people who like routine uh, and don't mind repeating the same practice all over again day after day and in this sense that is similar to ashtanga yoga as well so yeah um, what i wanted to also sort of add and monica you can give your perspective as well here is I've never tried it personally, right? So I've seen it practiced, I've learned about it. 
I know people that have practiced it, but I personally have not. So everything I've mentioned, everything you know so far is based on that secondhand, let's say, evidence and research and so on. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, Monica, if you've tried it ever or if you want to try it. I did Hatch Yoga at some point at some point in Madrid, I think it was just one class. Um, and then I, I practiced and taught hot yoga in uh, Romania, but no Bikram, not ever. So again, just like in your case, a sec secondhand experience. Yeah. I also like that, that I don't think I'm super curious to do it. Um, you know, with a plethora of yoga styles that's out there, that's maybe not the one that I'm most curious about <laughs> to try. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I'm the same. So there you go, guys. You know, you can have preferences. You don't need to try everything. Uh, but if you're, again, interested in what we've said, absolutely go give it a try. Right. So with that, going into the next one we wanted to touch on today, that's Iyengar Yoga. So what is Iyengar Yoga? Well, the main uh, emphasis in this style is on detailed alignment and precision in performing the poses. So there's quite a regular practice of using props, right? So belts, blocks, bands, blankets to aid in performing the pose to support usually beginners or elderlies or those that have some sort of physical limitations to perform the poses correctly and thus reducing the risk of injuries and strains. Um, and there's also a sort of, let's say, sequence of poses, and that is important in Yenga to achieve the desired result. And it's, it's really then prioritizing the correct movement over the quantity of movement, so to speak. So it's very much, again, focused on alignment. And with that, the benefits are to improve, you know, your physical health and improve your postural or structural problems. So with that in mind, it's quite beginner friendly. I think it's our most beginner friendly or one of the most beginner friendly practices out there because it really caters to that to that perspective really right mm. and also in terms of risks for injuries i think that's really low so we gave it like two out of five stars again because it's really like the the idea behind the practice is almost to help you stay injury free or even like improve some other injuries that you didn't even you know you didn't acquire through yoga so for instance in this case, I, um, I know someone that has been in, a, in an accident. So she was cycling and a van basically ran into her. So it was quite a bit of, of a serious accident. And she was left with quite some injuries after it. And she was recommended Iyengar Yoga to improve her injuries. And she started doing it and she, um, yeah, completely recovered, basically. It was a, a long period of time uh, because, as I said, she had quite uh, substantial injuries. But yeah, Ingar really, really helped her to, to really get to, like, you know, you can't tell she, she ever 
was in a in an accident right now. So it's it's really good from that from that perspective. And so with that in mind, you know, we generally recommend it to beginners, but also to to people that you know want to gain maybe optimal alignment or have any postural issues or things like that. It can be really therapeutic for for that. And again, it is a bit on the structured side, right? So if you don't really like structure at all, it's probably going to be challenging to stick to it. But of course, it depends the reason you get into it in, in the first place. Yeah, from my from what I've experienced, uh, you know, Alex, it, it, it was the same. I mean, it's uh, the yoga for, for professional athletes by excellence. So not necessarily professional athletes, but if you're a runner or a, a jogger, a biker, um, it's really, it, it really addresses your recovery time, uh, I would say. And as you mentioned, if you're injury prone or have some serious ailments in your physical body, it can help you fix them or at least address them in a, in a very good way. Uh, one thing that fascinates me about Iyengar yoga is the use of props. That was a revelation for me. I, of course, uh, try to use them in regular Hatha yoga practices as well in my classes or when I practice myself. But Iyengar yoga is so precise in that sense that you actually end up understanding how helpful those props are. Uh, they have chairs and, and um, bricks and uh, belts and all of that. And they use the walls a lot and they use ropes that are glued or, or stuck to walls actually. So it changes the experience completely and it also changes how you feel the yoga asanas in your body. And I also, I also think you mentioned something uh, that you hold them for long, right? You, you said this at some point about the poses or... I, I think don't think I did, but yes, you do. <laughs> if yeah. you want to add more around that, I think it's like oh, yeah. two minutes, right? <laughs> or something. It is, but then there are also other types of yoga where you hold the poses for a lot of minutes, uh, like yin yoga, for instance. But the, the mm, thing with holding Iyengar yoga poses for long is that you, the teacher instructs you, um, so they push you into the pose um, with their words, of course, uh, not necessarily that they touch you or anything, but they even talk what goes on, about what goes on in your body up to cell level the components of a cell in your muscles or your skin or your bones even. So it can be a little bit um, triggering, depending on your type of personality, <laughs> you know, to hold a warrior two for uh, 2.5 or 3.5 minutes, talking about how you rotate the bones and the skin and the cells. And so, yeah, it can be really, it can really get to you. I personally call it the yoga of, chess players or the yoga of mathematicians or, or whatever. Um, the trick is that, you know, my second yoga teacher training course was uh, loosely based on Iyengar yoga practices. And that's how I ended up understanding that I would never teach Iyengar yoga <laughs> or that I also don't like to practice it. But the paradox is that whenever my um, one of my teachers that I really love and respect a lot uh, is into town, I go and practice with him. He does the Sangha Yoga workshops. 
And it's really good because it kind of kills your ego. And it is afterwards, you feel like you're new, you're refreshed, your body is almost pain free. It's like you've had a deep tissue massage. So to me, this is my experience. I am not the type of personality that can practice Sayangar Yoga um, constantly or regularly, or I'm not the one to have the patience to teach it uh, or, or to, you know, to, to drive to guide people in it. But every once in a while, it's just what the doctor ordered, as far as I'm concerned. So that's, that's my experience. Um, it's also really good if you think about the teacher perspective, because it helps you teach other styles of yoga, honestly, because there's so much anatomy and alignment linked to it that you normally don't encounter in other types that are more energetic or you that you where you move your body a lot and you don't have the time to hold the poses fully so yeah that's what my experience has been <laughs> with Iyengar yoga so, yeah and i think what 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 you said with the you know it helps teach other styles right mm, um i can definitely. totally understand that because it's like you understand so much about anatomy that then in other styles you can teach in a way that it helps the students you know uh steer away from injuries and maybe incorrect postures and things like that right so you understand exactly how the body works so you can then teach in a way that helps as many people as possible to not strain their body in in types that shouldn't be strained you know. That's spot on. That's that's exactly how how it is, objectively speaking. So yeah, it's an experience, definitely. So and and so is Kundalini, by the way, because we also wanted to touch upon it. I think. Yeah, that's uh, next on our list. I will also just to end with this say that I've never done Ayanga yoga either. Again, I have experience. I know people that have done it. I have, let's say a more in-depth experience secondhand on this than Bikram, but I haven't done it. And I guess this is a bit of a giveaway for my personality that I don't do well with a lot of structure and rigidity. So yeah, spoiler alert for later on when we get into my favorite style. Right. So with that, we're going to go into Kundalini Yoga. So this type of yoga is different in the way that it doesn't focus on the physical too much. So both Bikram and Ainga are very much on the physical side, right? So you have the poses, you have the alignment. It's all, yeah, very much on, on the movement side. Kundalini is more on the sort of spiritual side of things. So it focuses on the spiritual energy, which is the Kundalini energy which is believed to be at the base of the spine. And as you go through the practice, is believed to awaken this energy and enhance your awareness and help you move past your ego. So it does have um, physical poses, right? It does have the physical element, but the focus isn't on that. Kundalini has um, a combination of singing and chanting and poses and breath in specific patterns. So it is a bit repetitive as well. And it has a specific pattern to it that then drives the practice every time. Mm. And with that, it's, it's believed to really help uh, relieve stress and anxiety, 
and just just bring more empathy and calmness and internal peace to to the people practicing it now of course in order to get all of those benefits you do obviously need to practice it but i think also you need to be a bit if not interested in the spiritual side of things at least open to getting a different perspective there i think if none of these apply it's probably not a practice not necessarily not to try it but it's maybe not a very beginner friendly practice right so with that it kind of scored it three out of five on the beginner's level because it really depends i think a bit on the personality of the individual trying it in terms of risks we think it scores pretty low so around two out of five again also because it doesn't really focus so much on the physical so there are multiple other things going on that don't really pose we don't think any any major risk let's say um i don't know monica if you've tried this personally and how mm -hmm. you feel the practice is how, how you found it not a fan <laughs> i'm not a fan but again i really love to experiment with it i think I I started yoga sometimes in 2010, I think, right? Uh, 2009 was it? I don't even remember now. And throughout this entire period, uh, I think I attended four or five classes tops. Um, in fact, I attended one today because I uh, attended a yoga festival today. Uh, it's the only one we have, sadly, in Bucharest, and it only happens once a year. We used to have more, but then the pandemic pretty much killed everything that was yoga-related. <laughs> so um, today's Kundalini class that I attended, it was um, very sweet. It was called Kundalini Love and Light. Uh, but of course, as uh, Vero, the teacher said, you in order to get to the love and light part, you really have to work like a lot. So... We worked our asses off and that was my previous experience as well in terms of Kundalini because I find it physically exhausting. And this time maybe, this this time I think I was in better shape than in, in the past occasions uh, or something because I wore the class was easier. Uh, I think it was a combo of both. But I really enjoyed it. It was a sweet experience and to me it is spectacular because you do pranayama, you do breathing techniques while in the poses. And Hatha Yoga, regular styles of yoga teach you that you kind of do asana first, pranayama later, or the other way around. You don't necessarily combine them. So that's what fascinated me about Kundalini. Uh, yes, indeed, it's about energies rising. And it is actually, I can testify, it is happening. I walked out of the class feeling super refreshed and with my sinuses cleared and breathing super easily, which is never the case with me, uh, unfortunately. So, yeah, but again, I've, I've had my energy, my Kundalini energy rise uh, using other yoga techniques. So I, I wouldn't say you need to do Kundalini yoga to address that type of energy, right? That it's called uh, Kundalini because it says it's serpent-like. It's like a serpent that's coiled up at the base of your spine. Yeah, so that's uh, where the name uh, gets from comes from uh and i think we can make an analogy with jivamukti i've only attended one jivamukti class uh in my life it was in sweden in stockholm it was very spectacular it is similar with kundalini in the sense that they are both very spiritually oriented styles of yoga um jivamukti was uh, 
how to put it yeah it's a combo of physicality and and uh, spiritual type of yoga um Jivamukti has heavy chanting uh sometimes they use kirtan as well from what i remember and uh, also it's the name is beautiful because Jivamukti means liberation while living during your lifetime right it, it's it comes from a sanskrit term which used to describe a, a state of enlightenment or realization so jiva means uh individual soul and mukti means liberation and uh, this method was created by sharon gannon and uh, david life in 1986. so um yeah so going back to kundalini it's really cool to try it if you ever have the chance to the differences you feel in your body and at the energetic level are immediate so you will feel you will feel it deep in your body if you're committed to that practice you will feel it immediately when you're done with it after after the class and you keep it with you right so and if you just do it one time you'll notice how special it is but yeah not not, not something that i would do on a regular manner so yeah i actually tried this one myself uh i've done a few classes a few and i have to say I didn't dislike it. I'm not actively seeking it either, but I didn't dislike it. It was during a time that I was like, just interested in trying something else. And Kundalini just so happened to be the, the one that in the way. was, yeah, <laughs> the opportunity <laughs> to do it, to try it. And yeah, I've done, as I said, a few. It wasn't so much, I guess the ones that I've done weren't so much on the chanting side, so to speak. So th there was a bit of that, but it was, I would imagine limited, so it's more at the beginning and the end. Rather Mantras, than, I, maybe. Mantra yeah, chanting. a bit of that, yeah, but not yeah. not a yeah. lot, right? Mm. And mm. it was, you know, from my perspective, it was okay. So I would recommend it, like, if you are already doing yoga, I've never tried it. I think it's, you know, something that you can try because it's quite different, as I said, to the other maybe styles because yeah. it doesn't focus so much on the physical. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you as in I wouldn't like do it very much regularly, mm, but it is mm. something I guess that I was more interested in trying versus Bikram, for instance, that I wasn't and I don't think I am still interested in trying for now. Uh -huh. I guess from that perspective is, yeah, something else um, entirely, let's say. Yes. Right. And with that, we get to Vinyasa, which... Yeah. <laughs> which I mean, if it's not obvious, but I will address it anyway, is my favorite style of yoga. <laughs> we so couldn't tell. I'm going <laughs> to be biased here for sure. So just putting that out there. But yeah, uh, what is vinyasa? So vinyasa is really a style of yoga that focuses on the movement synchronized with the breath. So basically, there's always you're always kind of in a constant flow and you're focusing on your breath as you move from one pose to another. It's quite a broad classification, right, Vinyasa? So it encompasses many other styles. So like Ashtanga and Power Yoga are sub-styles, let's say, of Vinyasa. Mm -hmm. And it's really because of this whole movement synchronized with the breath, it gives the opportunity to teachers to really arrange the progression the, the way they want. So there's no real structure or no real rigidity on this one. So you don't have a specific sequence. You know, there's not a specific number of poses or specific poses that you're practicing. 
depending on the class and the teacher, it's always going to be pretty much different. So from that perspective, that for me is great because as I was alluding to earlier, I am not necessarily the person that thrives on doing the same thing over and over again. I'm really not that person. So with that in mind, Vinyasa really caters to my personality because I like to like see new things, try new things, and no two classes of Vinyasa are the same. And that is really very, very entertaining. There's a lot of benefits for Vinyasa and it's been um, shown that it reduces stress, is uh, accessible for many fitness levels. And this is really key if you're a beginner. So again, because there's no you know, real sequence there, there's no real structure, you can go and do a vinyasa for beginners, vinyasa class for beginners, right? And it really caters for that specific um, you know, state. Um, and you're going to get that class and you know, the risk of injury in that sense is really, really low, right? Because again, it's, it's catered to your situation, let's say, as much mm -hmm. as possible. It also, it's been reported that it improves heart health. Um, you know, it's, it's, it can lower blood sugar and cholesterol. But the other thing that I wanted to really touch on, which is also something that I've experienced personally, is that it's been shown to reduce anxiety and depression and help you increase your ability to handle stress and relax. And if you guys listened to our first episode, and if you haven't, what are you doing? Go listen to it. But yeah, I was, I was just saying there that I found yoga and specifically vinyasa in a very, let's say, low moment of my life when I was anxious and depressed and didn't know how to handle stress anymore. And vinyasa really, really helped me with all of that. So I'm, you know, walking, talking example of this is, you know, it really helps with, with anxiety and depression and, and calming you and helping you relax. So yeah, in, in terms of rating, I mean, you know, five. 10 five out, out of five, five. Alex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of five. Exactly. So for me, again, biased by five out of five for beginners, as I said, you know, there's, it really caters to every level. So I think that's great. And then in terms of risks, as, as I mentioned, I don't see a lot of risks there, again, because it, it's based on where you are. It really finds you where you are, so to speak, in your practice. And yeah, in, in terms of who we would recommend it to, I mean, if you don't like structure, if you appreciate unpredictable things, if you like to keep moving, if you're high energy, then this is the practice for you. It's if you're always creative. Be interesting. Yes. If yeah. you're creative as well, if you're a creative person, an artist, or simply more, you know, more creative in that sense, then it's the yoga for you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if ex exactly, if, if you really like, um, like to be challenged as well, right? Because you find new things, if you like change, I guess, um, mm -hmm. then vinyasa is, is definitely for you. And I've been practicing it since 2017. It's been a while. I am still in love with it. It's still my favorite. So yeah, I would, I would really challenge you to try it again, biased here, but, um, yeah, I think you might really like it, especially if you are that type of personality. Yeah, it's 
what's there not to like really about vinyasa vinyasa is really cool it's just that uh my perspective on it is the complete opposite of uh, alex's perspective um in that i for, for me as a practitioner it's too dancey it has um um you flow uh, very quickly from one pose to the other and you make sure you transition actually it's 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 more it's yeah it's a it's also a flow from one pose to another but also the transitioning from one pose to another is very smooth gazelle like ballet like i think it also depends on the teacher and how you want to follow their um, their guidance um and it's also too much movement uh for me as a as a practitioner but one of the big points of attraction one of the big reasons uh vinyasa attracts me is that de depending on who your teacher is uh during the yoga session that you have um you might encounter a vinyasa style that is so the entire class is mainly uh it is basically a progression towards one single pose they call it the peak pose and i've noticed how they guide you into working the groups of muscles and warming up the joints that actually make you flow easy much easier in the peak pose the difficult pose the queen of the asana uh in that sense of that specific yoga session right so i've, I've had i attended several classes like that um that's something that you that you generally uh have in a yoga class maybe in Iyengar a little bit um also quite it's it's quite different right than Iyengar in the sense that you really hold the poses for very little time and you immediately flow into the next one when as as uh, whereas when it comes to Iyengar uh, you can have a 15 minute class and you can do six poses so it's that that's how how different they are so definitely one of the things one of the styles that is to me it's it's a must try if you're trying to decide what's the best style for you um and what's the style that suits you the most and brings you the benefits that you're seeking then definitely vinyasa is something is something that needs to be that needs to be tested um yeah so that's how i see it well, appreciate that. Although I know it's not your favorite, at least. No, you know, you but it's true. Me, <laughs> that you, everyone should it's try true. it. But yes, um, I think also what I wanted to just mention. Yes, indeed, it's you're not holding poses for five minutes. Mm. But there are, let's say, different styles and different teachings out there that there could be like a vinyasa um, class that is not so dynamic, let's say, and you do hold the poses a bit. It's just, again, not dynamic. Yeah, like a slow flow, is that? A slow Maybe. flow, exactly. Yeah. So it's not a power mm. yoga, it's just a flow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, also, there's like different length of classes, right? It's not a, a specific, like you do 60 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever you can do, whatever the teacher decides at that point, right? and whatever that class is about. So that also gives you quite a bit of flexibility. And again, it goes back to, if you're a beginner, you can go to, you know, a shorter class that is catered for beginners and it's probably gonna have simple poses and a slower flow and things like that. So yeah, I think that's that's also, you know, just goes, goes back to, there's no structure almost within the structure of Vinyasa. And that I think makes it interesting to try also different teachers, different studios, right? And kind of have a different experience almost every time 
although you're doing the same, let's say, style of yoga. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's, it's not maybe not a style, but a freestyle of yoga, right? Because you're just freestyling <laughs> somehow. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Oh, yeah, I, maybe. So that's Vinyasa for you guys. And I will say what we said at the beginning, if you want us to delve more into any of the styles, if you want us to delve more into Vinyasa, I can talk for four days. So let us know. The, uh, the, the thing that I can talk about for four days is Ashtanga Yoga. <laughs> um, it's... Uh... One of my favorite styles, it's actually my, my absolute favorite. Um, and that's why what I teach, the type of yoga I teach is loosely based on the Ashtanga Yoga first and second series. Um, yeah, Alex, just, just maybe you would like to, to show your perspective on it and, and do your, your own intro and then I can add some stuff. Sure, I was going to, you know... Uh free reign here if you want to talk about it because i know it's your favorite style so i didn't want to butt in so to speak um but yeah just in general a bit about ashtanga and then i'll let monica talk some more about it specifically but just what it is right um it's a style of yoga that also has a fixed sequence so so there's six series there and each with a with a fixed sequence of poses that you can do in ashtanga and it is considered the most difficult yoga style because it requires a lot of discipline and patience. And you can argue, you know, Bikram is quite uh, fixed as well, right? And it has, you know, the same structure. But the difference in, in that structure is that, as I said, Ashtanga had six series rather than just the one sort of same 26 poses over and over again, right? So it challenges you more and more as you move into the practice. It's been shown that it can help the mind to be clearer and get the body more, you know, get the body stronger and more flexible. It helps with just creating an internal heat in the body, which improves circulation, detoxifies the system. So there's quite a few benefits there as well for Ashtanga. And I'm sure Monica can talk more about that. Um, from more, from a more advanced perspective. In terms of rating, really just to touch on this, we gave it a three out of five for the beginner level friendly because, again, it is quite structured and it is, I'd say, quite challenging. And then I think, you know, in terms of risks, I'd say between two to three stars. And Monica, you know, you can disagree with me here in terms of what would be a risk for injury if you're a beginner and you go to a, an Ashtanga class, right? And um, yeah, then, you know, if, if, you, if you like a challenge, if you want to improve, you know, discipline, enjoy discipline, like structure, I think, you know, this would be a great practice for you. But again, keeping in mind that it's quite difficult, let's say, and I don't think it caters that much for very beginner levels. Um, I don't know. How, how do you feel about that, Monica? Um, yeah, it depends. I mean, of course, if you ask an Ashtangi, they will tell you, no, everybody can do uh, Ashtanga yoga, you know. So, but I think one of the, the essential uh, points that need to be made when uh, speaking about Ashtanga yoga is that the teacher is essential 
is extremely important. It is crucial for your individual practice because if you're an absolute beginner, they show you the way, they pave it for you to advance. And if you are a more advanced practitioner, they can lead you to excellence. And excellence is not about being very performative, holding the poses and shaping them picture perfect. It's just about, so it's not about how the poses look, uh, but how they feel on the inside. Um, the teacher is also important because they help you advance to the next pose in the series, and they will never allow you to skip poses to, to end up to the finishing sequence. So you need to go through all of them one at a time. And you are not allowed to advance in the series until you've mastered the one until that point. Um, this is, you know, the by the book rules in 2023. Uh, there are very few ashrams, studios, teachers that do that, right? But I'm just speaking about it just so to see that it actually, uh, under guidance, you can actually be very surprised. Um, in front of what your body can do. You can be really shocked pleasantly, right? When, when supervised and with pers persistence and constance. Uh, Ashtanga comes from uh, Ashtau, which means eight, and Ang, which means limb. It's the yoga of eight limbs, and only one out of these eight limbs is asana, which is the physical posture. So now, having said that, we can just imagine how not how little importance asana has, but how numerous are the things that are also important, the other seven things, right, uh, in this yoga system. So it's basically one eighth or 15-ish percent of what yoga truly is, right, uh, this asana thing. Ashtanga is indeed a very physical yoga because we have to tame the body, to heal it, to balance it, to make it go under the under the homeostasis uh, phase, which is when everything is balanced and functions perfectly within the body. It's the grossest aspect of our being, right? So that's why we work it to address the other layers, the other seven layers of yoga um, with with um, in an easier way, right? So we work the body first and then we can we can um, ascend to more spiritual states later on. Um, and it's also to be said that Ashtanga lies on a three-pillar uh, system that's called Trishtana. It's the bandhas, the breath, and the gaze or the look. Um, the breath is very special. It is different than in any, any other type of yoga. It's a pranayama technique that's called Ujjayi or the oceanic breath because it's, uh, it kind of sounds like when the waves, the ocean waves or the sea waves hit the shore, you know, and then they retract back and then they hit the shore once again. So that's how we, the sound we try to make when we perform that technique. It can be, of course, practiced independently of the Ashtanga Yoga system, um, if you're willing to, to give it a go. It brings inner uh, air to lungs. Um, it also heatens up the body uh, in, a, in, in a very significant way, which of course makes it more flexible, right? We've just said about the hot yoga type of, type of yoga that, uh, um, that helps you see and, and surprises you with how much you can do with your body. 
So that's what this breath does. Um, it makes you more flexible. Um, it brings cleaner air, uh, cleaner air to your lungs. But uh, its most important benefit is that it makes you be focused inward. By listening the sound of this breath, um, you actually end up being in a sort of very meditative state. And that's what Ashtanga, Ashtanga Yoga really is. It's a meditation in movement, I like to call it. Because you move your body and you're always aware of the sound of this breath. And that's pretty much a meditation, right? So that's why I call it meditation in movement. It really helps you, um, this breath really, really helps you focus on the inside rather than being distracted by other type of things that happen outside of your being. Uh, then we have the bandhas, which are sigils, uh, as we say in English. There are small um, parts of your body that you contract a little bit to, they say, to keep the energy inward and prevent it from dispelling on the outside of your body. By practice, by practicing Ashtanga Yoga, we build energy and we don't want to let it to waste, right? We want to, we don't want to let it go to waste. We want to keep it inside and use it for a later purpose, right? Um, so that's what the bandhas are. Um, and then of course it's the gaze or drishti, we call it, uh, from Sanskrit. Um, the more focused you are, the better your yoga session will be and the better experience you will have. And the most, the more successful the class will be. Uh, and we do that by looking at one fixed spot in every single pose. It's generally a spot on our body. Um, that helps a lot with concentration. It also helps a lot with achieving that meditative state that I've spoken about uh, previously. So um, I think I've touched upon all the points that I wanted to touch about Ashtanga Yoga. Of course, we can have a separate section, uh, a separate episode dedicated exclusively to it uh, if we have such requirements. So yeah, give it a try. Um, it's definitely for people who are in love with routine, Structured, yes, but some of us simply like to do predictable things. Uh, yeah, I mean, the same goes for me. I mean, I love a good vinyasa, creative flow, right? But then I, some, my, my brain needs to know that it knows, it can tell uh, beforehand what's going to happen, right? So that's that's important for me and it's important for many of us. Yeah, if you think... You might enjoy that. Give it a try. It's it's really cool to experiment. Yeah, and and um, agreed. From my side, I think you should try it. Uh, you know, as we said, it is a substyle of vinyasa. It's not vinyasa, but it's I guess more similar to vinyasa than the other ones. Oh yeah. And the other thing that you've mentioned, you know, specifically for Ashtanga, the Ujjayi breath and all of that. There's a lot of breathing techniques across yoga styles, right? So this is one of one of the many, let's say. And I think some something that we didn't necessarily mention on the benefits, but it kind of goes across the spectrum, is helping you breathe better. Really, like yoga really helps you breathe fuller, deeper, and you don't even realize it until you start doing yoga and you realize just how mm. out of breath and how shallow your breath actually is when you know you start doing yoga and it's like okay for the inhale you do this and for the exhale for instance for vinyasa right you do this and you realize that on that one inhale of the teacher you inhale four times whatever happened because you cannot you know 
inhale that deep and exhale that deep to yeah. really uh, support that pose. If you have any like limited breathing, let's say uh, issues, I think any style of yoga really at the end of the day would be great to help help you mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, for sure. Well, they, I mean, there are certain poses or, or breathing techniques that are forbidden to people with asthma, but generally I think people have forgotten how to breathe. Um, and yeah, a, a, a generic yoga class that doesn't go into very specific uh, breathing techniques, uh, for sure it will be helpful because regardless of the style uh, of the class you attend, um, your breathing will, will become better for sure. And for sure you'll learn something in this aspect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So with that in mind, we've reached the fun yoga styles. Not that these weren't fun, but, you know, more fun yoga styles. So there's quite a few, let's say, different entertaining styles out there in no particular order. There's the doga and puppy and goat Mm. yoga styles, right? So those are all like per the name uh, doing yoga with your dog or, you know, your puppy or a puppy or goats. So the doga, let's say, is actually going to yoga with your dog. And it's more focused, let's say, on stretching and meditation and you being, you know, with your pet on the mat versus, let's say, puppy yoga, which is more around having actually animal shelter puppies, right? And giving that opportunity to bond with them versus goat yoga where you it's it's you just have goats around right um climbing on your back being on your mat as you do yoga and it's really a form of assisted animal therapy in this in this regard so quite fun especially if you like animals if you have a pet this might be something you can give it a go and just combine you know some exercise you know with your pet basically yeah I don't know, um, Monica, if you've done any of these, right? Nope. Not intending to either. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It really depends on what stage of your life you're in, right? Um, I'm not excluding anything. I have some um, periods in my life where I don't say no to anything, really. So who knows? Um, I might, if I feel curious at some point. I mean, why not? Um, I'm trying to get a pet cat at some point so I could do some cat yoga, although cats bother you all the time during your practice, right? You don't need to attend a formal class with them. So it's, it's not a problem. And yeah, and when we have, while we have um, animal yoga or animal related yoga or yoga featuring animals, we also have yoga featuring very specific styles of music, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So there's the rave yoga and the metal yoga. And as per the names, the rave yoga is usually vinyasa to electronic music. So, you know, if you love yoga and dancing, that's that's for you. And metal yoga is pretty much uh, similar, but in ter- in, you know, in, instead of electronic music, you have heavy metal music, right? So there's that as well. Then there's the alcoholic yoga, right? I have this friend who is a practitioner and teacher in, in Paris. It's from her that I found out you can practice uh, 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 du yoga champagne, 
which means champagne yoga <laughs> or prosecco yoga, for instance, if you're in Italy. And there's also wine yoga classes, I think. Uh, beer yoga, I haven't seen any in Romania, but I'm sure there are plenty of them in the UK because you guys love, really love uh, having a pint or a pint. What's what's the? It's a pint, yeah. And, it's a pint of beer. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, exactly. So any, almost any type of alcohol, but yeah, beer, wine, for sure, champagne. And, you know, th there could be some non-alcoholic options, right? So you don't need to get drunk necessarily for that. But the idea being that, you know, you have the beer bottle or the wine or whatever, and you do the poses holding the bottle or drinking in between poses. And, you know, it's just kind of fun. Or you, you can even balance the, the bottle on your head or whatever, right? <laughs> You're free to, to experiment, but... Yeah, it's just a, a fun, let's say, another fun way to to do some yoga. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say that the, the balancing the cup or the the glass or the bottle or the whatever gets to me, and and also makes me think about uh, acro yoga. Uh, right, we have that in in uh, Bucharest as well, especially during the summertime. They gather in parks. And yeah yeah there's uh there's quite a few styles that let's say are i'd say we we've put them in the fun in this category but there are more official for lack of a better term right so acro yoga and aerial yoga for instance so yeah as per the name acro yoga is yoga and acrobatics right so there's the you know if you've seen it online at any point there's the the people that do all this funky shape someone is the base right and it's holding someone else that is doing all this um the flyer exactly yeah it's the, the the base and the flyer there um so it's really it's fun it's also fun if you i think you know you're quite on the active side of things right and because i think if you're a real beginner i don't know i haven't tried it so maybe i might be wrong here but i think that might be challenging to do it if you you know never done yoga never done any other sort of uh, necessarily gymnastics or acrobatics or whatever i think it might be not something you can do from the get-go but again i haven't tried it myself so i don't know you know it, it looks like that it looks a bit more challenging as does aerial yoga although on the aerial yoga you do have like ropes usually that are hung above to form the shapes so it has the acro element but it's a bit more controlled i'd say mm -hmm. so it feels a bit safer from my perspective i don't know monica have you tried any of these or how do you feel about them I haven't tried Dakra Yoga. I think it's a type of yoga for which your body must be extremely fit or you have to be very physically fit. Of course, Acro Yogis will contradict me here. I'm positive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not much into that. I would lo really love to try Air Yoga or Aerial Yoga. To me, it's attractive because you abandon, you surrender yourself to that thing, right? And you hang with your head down and that must feel exceptionally well for the spine and it's lengthening, I feel. Uh, yeah. And you kind of play with gravity. I think it's like, an, yeah. So I would be interested to try that. I can maybe increase my 2024 resolution list with just that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, it's interesting for sure to give it a go and then i guess lastly but not least uh we have the naked yoga 
which is, as per the name says it, you do yoga naked, right? The benefits there are, you know, that it really removes any mental and physical restrictions and it helps with any misalignments, right? It can be readily seen given you are completely naked. Of course, it also takes a certain courage probably to get to do that. But yeah, it's, you know, could be fun and it could help you really understand how you, how you do the postures and what's mis misaligning there potentially. To me, that's like, I mean, I, I don't know, doing it alone or doing it as a group thing? As a group, yeah. As a group so We're thing. talking okay. about classes here. Of course, I mean, if you do it alone, yeah. it's you know, up to you, but <laughs> talking about classes. It, maybe it's not even called naked yoga anymore if you do it naked in the privacy of your own uh, yeah, I don't know. yoga room or whatever. <laughs> but how would it be, how cool, how dangerous, how silly, how fun would it be if we combined naked yoga with animal yoga. Here's the thought. <laughs> no, just let's, let's scratch that. No. Or, or, or some alcohol and some, some, uh, some music and, you know, you get the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like a yoga party or a yoga rave or, a, or a whatever, but no, I don't think I would lo really love to feel any dogs or cats around my private parts. Um, while performing naked yoga thank you very much so yeah i, I think i'll pass on that <laughs> so no cats um, yeah no 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 dogs no cats on that not one not while i'm naked nope no, no no okay um right so yeah those were our fun ones um i think right monica was there anything else you wanted to talk about here it was i just wanted to really quickly enumerate the multitude of yoga styles that are out there you might not even have heard of many of these and uh, neither have i um but before we wrap up um if you're really into yoga and interested in its variety and trying to understand what style would suit you you can always try and, and google info about um Agama, Akanda, Alignment-Based Yoga, Ananda Yoga, Antasha Yoga, Anusara, Aqua, Baptiste Yoga, Bhakti, uh, Buroga, which is yoga for bros, men only, I think. Am I right? I, I actually don't know. So you haven't, you haven't heard of it. Okay. It's there's cool. something we can research, both of us. It sounds like it could be for bros, whoever feels like they're bros. Like a bro? I guess, yeah. <laughs> There's chair yoga, there's uh, kids yoga, of course, there's uh, Drew yoga, family yoga, forest yoga, uh, integral yoga, ishta, uh, kalinata, kripalu, kriya, laughter yoga, of course, odaka, paddleboard yoga, uh, phoenix rising yoga, um, purna yoga, restorative yoga, yin yoga, rocket yoga, satyananda, scaravelli, senior yoga for seniors. Perfect. Um, shadow yoga, Shivananda, special needs yoga, Svarupa, Svastya, Tantra, Tri yoga, Vijnana, Vini yoga, uh, Yoga Nidra, of course, uh, and Yoga Lattes, which is a combo between yoga and Pilates, or some people call it Piloga. I'm done. Okay, so you've heard, guys, there's a lot of styles, and I'm not even sure Monica has actually gone through the entire list. So Truly, there's a style for you out there, right? Yeah. 
And I think bonus, just because you've mentioned it, and I realize we didn't necessarily touch on it at all when we discussed the five main styles, rocket yoga. So do you want to maybe do like a one-liner on that? Because that's like a subtype of Ashtanga, right? It is. It's, it's a cooler and freer type of rocket yoga. Um, it's based a lot of inversions from what I remember. I only attended one class ages ago. So there, there you go, guys. You do have some more flexibility, flexible, uh, Ashtanga styles, right? So definitely or my classes, my classes that are or Monica's <laughs> classes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. So. With that said, before we go, as usual, we appreciate your feedback. Please let us know if any of the styles we talked about sounded interesting, if you've practiced any of the styles before, how you found them, if you haven't, would you like to try any, what we could maybe talk about some more to get you to try any of these or others. Yeah. Also, if you want us to go deeper into any topic, as we've said, let us know. We can totally have a separate episode on that. And yeah, that's, I think that's us for this episode. Uh, really appreciate you guys joining us again and listening. And again, if you've made it this far, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in our next episode next Friday. Have fun and enjoy life's little joys. See you next Friday. Bye.